0: Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. As we wrap up the year of 2019, it's nice to look back and focus on, you know, how the year went and what we've been up to. It's also a good time to remember some of the cool applications that blockchain technology, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of these other things can do for us and how, you know, it just doesn't affect only finance. We're always thinking about money, money, money and finance, but there are a lot of different industries that this technology can really change how we act and react with these industries and how we like do things in our daily lives. One of those industries is music and there is no other company than Vibrate that launched in 2017 and has been revolutionizing the music industry. We're very lucky to have the co-founder and director of business development for Vibrate, Vasya Viber, on the show. And we talked about some really cool things. What's really great about Vasya is that he didn't just show up and say, hey, I know about music. He's been the manager for some of the top artists, DJs, and music production companies all over the world for his whole career. So he knows the music industry inside and out And he was able to build a company to completely change the way us as fans interact with the artists that we love. I don't want to give up too much more information because I feel like when you understand these things fresh for the first time, the light bulb that goes off in your head is something that is worth waiting for. So enjoy the ads. Happy 2020. Happy New Year's. And I'll see you guys next year. I'm so honored that Untold Stories is sponsored by eToro. eToro is the smartest crypto trading platform and one of the largest in the world with over a trillion dollars in trading volume per year. What I really love about eToro is that the CEO has been around the Bitcoin space since 2012, so they really, really put their money where their mouths are. US customers, myself included, we can trade the most popular crypto assets, in fact, almost all the ones that you want to trade, with low but transparent fees. So you actually know what you're paying for everything. And that's really, really, really important. So if you're not ready to trade yet, you can practice building your portfolio with the eToro $100,000 virtual trading feature. So you can create this whole portfolio without trading with any real money to see how you'll do. And you can learn all the different ins and outs without using any real money yet. And then once you're comfortable, you can enter the market and start buying and selling crypto for real. Best of all, one of my favorite features is that you can connect with 11 million other eToro traders in the world, myself included, and we can talk trading, charts, and all things crypto. So listen, head on over to eToro.com, links are in the show notes, and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. I want to thank and give credit to the first ever sponsor of Untold Stories, Scott Offer. Scott is a Bitcoin mining consultant, and I really want you guys to check out one of his coolest apps that's free to use. It's a Bitcoin mining profitability calculator that you can check it out before you get involved in mining, or if you just want to learn more about whether mining is profitable and how it works. The website is CryptoMining.Tools. That's CryptoMining.Tools you can enter your estimated uptime and get more realistic profit projections. It includes really cool features like the impact of the Bitcoin block reward having, which is actually coming up extremely soon. Their API allows you to embed profitability calculators and other live data directly into your own website, all for free. Also, if you're wondering which miner is the most efficient or has the best chance of breaking even, you should try out their interactive hardware comparison chart. So it's a hardware comparison chart, so you can compare all different types of miners for all different coins and tokens, and it's interactive, so you can play around with it. It's by far the best tool, if you have any questions about mining or if you want to learn more about mining, it's the best tool you can check it out. As a mining consultant, Scott helps you make data-backed business decisions. He will be involved in the process if you want to buy a miner, if you want to sell a miner, if you have miners and need to get into data centers. I mean, if you follow Scott on Twitter, even if you're not in the mining industry, you learn so much. I follow him. It's super cool. You can check it out on Twitter or Telegram at Offered Scott. That's O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. That's O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. Again, I want to give a special thanks to Scott. You are my first sponsor when the show is just launching. Thank you so much. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories. Can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of a BlockWorks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcasts in their network that they produce, check them out at BlockWorksGroup.io. That's BlockWorksGroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. The general theme of this show, as my loyal listeners, you guys know, is a lot of times we talk to guests that have Left their um, industry or whatever they were doing before crypto, joined the crypto space, started a company, joined a company, built something. My next guest, Vasya Verber, is a very interesting character. When we met a few years ago, first of all, um, he had jo- he's joining us from a successful industry, the the music industry, as a uh, manager for um umek and and other DJs in the European theater but also in the world but what's interesting is that he found issues with the music industry and how blockchain technology can solve those issues Vasya thank you for joining our show Thanks for
1: having me Charlie
0: So you join us from Slovenia which is a very small country a very proud country Do you think that because of that because of how you were raised Um, to be very proud of who you are, that is attributed to your being able to go out and um, launch this new company?
1: Well, it's, it certainly has some, some advantages. Um, First of all, is that we've always had to go an extra mile. So being from a small country, especially from an Eastern European country, it means that we have to hustle, a bit more than than if, if we were maybe born somewhere in, in the U.S. Or, or in Western Europe. So we've been through a lot in, in our short history, Slovenia, gained independence in 91. And before that, we were in Yugoslavia, we went through communism, we went through a war. So uh, I think that that made us maybe a bit more, like I said, a, a proud nation um and really really hard workers so we were known actually slovenians i heard when i was in silicon valley that slovenians are known to be extremely hard workers and that's why a lot of my fellow countrymen moved over there especially engineers are really really popular over there we work hard and it's still cheap workforce compared to, to the west
0: and a basketball player you have a professional nba player here
1: Oh, yeah, um, not just one. Actually, we have two. Uh, we have Gordon Dragic of Miami Heat and uh, Luka Doncic, who's probably going to be a rookie of the year from Dallas Mavericks. So, yeah, we're a proud nation. Actually, a, a lot of Americans, first time you probably heard about Slovenia when you heard about Melania Trump because she's Slovenian. Um, not that we're very big supporters of Trump, to be honest. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, still, that's it's, it's still, that's yeah, interesting. She, yeah, she did something for promotion. That that's true. She she put us on a map. But what we're extremely proud of is uh, of our two guys uh, in nba And this March, when Dallas were playing in in Miami, two thousand five hundred Slovenians flew there, and we actually would like to say that we show the Americans how to cheer for for your team. Uh, because, I mean, we're we cheering like soccer fans, so it's a lot of chanting, a lot of... It's a whole party there. We're really, really loud. So if you check a couple of YouTube videos, you're going to see what I'm talking about.
0: Oh, but I got to go check that out later.
1: Yeah, I'll find you later.
0: And so tell me about growing up and how you got into the music space.
1: Well, I actually... um I grew up uh, in a small town outside of Ljubljana. I live in Ljubljana now, which is capital of Slovenia. It's a capital that only has 300,000 people. So it's a really small country. The whole country has 2 million. So yeah, we grew up in Yugoslavia. And it was, I have really nice memories of my childhood, childhood although a lot of Westerners see us as some pretty much like north korea today it, it wasn't like that it, we, we didn't have a high standard but we were happy everybody had a job and we were living in peace but it's turned out you can't out miss
0: something that you don't never had
1: yeah exactly that that's exactly what i what i keep saying ev- to everyone who misses those days we were all equally poor and uh i still remember that we had to drive to austria to italy to get bananas and, and and better chocolate and those things that are actually impossible to to think that we we're living without them without going to the store and getting them in our in our country so we had to go to a foreign country to get those things that you can get everywhere uh today uh, but we, we, like I said, we gained our independence in, in 91 uh, and we joined the European Union in 2001, I think. So now Slovenia is really one of the most developed countries uh, in our part of Europe. Uh, but it's still it's still a nice, it's a very nice place to be here because the education is free. So if you go to university, uh, the the government actually pays for your education. Uh, which is something that, that's not common uh, maybe in the U.S. or, or in, Just in a, a Slovenian
0: of... university or any university?
1: Uh, actually, Slovenian universities. If, if you study here, the government is going to pay for the tuition. Uh, and we actually have a really, a really good uh, – Ljubljana has a really good university. Uh, I went to a business school here that ranked, I think, among top 100 business schools in the world. Uh, so it's a big privilege to to study here and you, de- you don't have to pay for anything the government will even pay for the part of your meals when you study if, if you if you have to move wow. uh, to Ljubljana to study the government's gonna it's gonna pay it's a couple of euros but it, it helps when you're when you're a student uh, everything helps so, yeah it's, well, when
0: it's, you're coming from a small town and your parents work you know nine to five jobs or maybe more than that yep yeah. And you want to study the government saying here we're you know we'll pay for your food we'll pay for your studies for everything basically yeah, maybe they, you get a job to they, s- even
1: pay, they even pay um for your apartment because they they build campuses uh that are owned by the government uh so the rent there is extremely extremely low so i think that right now it's about 80 euros per month all costs included which is basically free so, yeah, this, it's, it's a really good country to live in. Uh, the, the quality of life is extremely high. The nature is nice. Um, the, as an entrepreneur, we could have uh, a bit more things, uh, a bit more support, maybe a bit more forward-thinking uh, uh, government institutions, which I think is a pain in the ass in every country. It doesn't matter where you are. But I mean it's it's still I like being here.
0: It's interesting yeah. that you complain about that because having worked with you and working with other Slovenian uh blockchain companies, I feel like your government is extremely forward thinking and has been always like I think you told me at one point you said, Oh, I just called up the minister of finance and went over to his office and was talking to him you actually, can't do that in the united actually, states it
1: was it was the prime minister so it okay was, I, there you go <laughs> it's pretty much the the highest political uh figure that we have in the country because unlike, can you America, tell me about that meeting yeah that's that's the thing that uh we as, as a blockchain company we have a lot of support from politics uh, especially we had a lot of support with the previous government um, but they, they resigned soon after we did our ICO um, but the thing I was referring to uh, are public services, uh, that's, that's a whole other thing and it's a huge apparatus that works extremely fast, extremely slow uh, but that's, that's the, the pain I was talking about, but yeah let me get back to the story, it was, um, it was in 2017 uh, of course everything connected with blockchain and crypto was was at the at the highest point in history i think and of course all the companies in such a small country that were operating in this, this space had a lot of um a lot of interest from the media and if you have the interest from the media you have the interest from politics so uh, and, and we as one of the first companies um we weren't we weren't the first one there were a lot of successful blockchain companies before us but we are maybe the most vocal one uh, at at that moment uh we wanted to change policy we had an idea of, of slovenia becoming like a crypto silicon valley of the world so our vision was to get all the the crypto startups here uh, and and offer them um uh, some kind of environment that would enable them to, to prosper. Um and we suggested this to the government and we immediately we immediately got their attention. So we managed to get the Prime Minister in our offices with the members of his cabinet uh, for a workshop about blockchain. So we we showcased a couple of uh interesting um blockchain companies from Slovenia. Uh, We explained them our vision about how Slovenia should evolve in this uh, field. And yeah, we had had their attention. And they they started um, creating work groups, uh, working on policy. But unfortunately, then the whole government resigned. So it took them about six months. To get the new government back together and in the meantime the bear market struck us so the new government um, we still have it was like a perfect yeah,
0: storm of stuff
1: yeah it was it was it was a good start but it just all went down after that but it was still, it was still an interesting um thing that you can actually send an email to a member of, of the government and, and next thing you know you have the prime minister uh, in Slovenia, uh, of Slovenia, in your office, together with, with his ministers, and um, I gotta say that the prime minister, like I said, was is the highest political figure in the country because, um, unlike the America, we have uh, the prime minister actually runs the the country, not not the the president. Uh, but also, I did have a, an opportunity to present vibrate to the president of Slovenia as well. Actually, he had an um, official visit from President of Slovakia, which is this. The, the it's not the same country. Slovenia and Slovakia often get mixed. Uh, and yeah, I, I presented Austria
0: plus, and that. Australia.
1: Yeah, even more, <laughs> even more. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I had an opportunity to, to present our company basically to all the highest political figures in Slovenia, which is good for PR. I mean, they're not going to do anything about it. Uh, they like to take pictures in front in uh, front of media especially if it's election year but it's it's for us it's still good promotion it's good recognition it's all good
0: did you feel a change in 2001 when slovenia joined the eu yeah was there a noticeable change
1: yeah it was it was it was definitely it was, it was free market uh so people from slovenia could go to other eu countries and um get a job there without getting any permits because we are citizens of, of the EU, uh, and later on we adopted—I think it was 2004. I'm not sure. Got to check that. We adopted the euro. So be- before that, we had our own currency with a high inflation rate, and um, it's it all skyrocketed from them. So from there, so our GDP went up, uh, our our uh, salaries went up. Of course, the cost of living went up, but still, it's the, the whole standard is it's it's not you cannot compare what we have now to what we had like 20 years ago it's a whole different country now for the better yeah it's much better people will still whine. that that's the thing with slovenians that we're, we're a country that we're never content with what we, ha- we we have so a lot of people will say yeah it's it's not okay we're still a banana country so and it's not the quality of life is not here and we still have communists and all kinds of crap and th- those are usually people that don't travel uh and i i mean i travel a lot and i I saw all kinds of uh, countries outside slovenia better um better evolved Uh, i saw countries that are really really poor really really rich and actually i I always like to get back home and and just be here well you know
0: you you love where you live when you want to go back home for years i
1: it depends where i live live (laughs) True story. Exactly. For years, I
0: lived in all these different places, and I would never want to go home. We would just keep traveling and traveling. Now, I never want to leave here.
1: Yeah, you got old. We all got the old. So, <laughs> the older you get, the, the more you like you like your home. But it's it's. I mean, I, I see we 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 have the whole European Union has a big problem with with migrations from from the northern parts of Africa. It all started with Syria uh as you know and and the whole migrant wave at one time wanted to go to germany through slovenia so for a country that has two million people we had to deal with one million migrants so it was it was i think about three or four years ago four years ago i think we had one million migrants on the border and we had to deal with them and they all wanted to go to germany but a couple of them stayed in slovenia said hey it's probably better here than in germany uh but i I mean it's they, they they don't they had a goal and they want to go there although they didn't know that they could actually if they seek asylum in slovenia they could live here much much better
0: sure you don't want to go somewhere where there's a lot of people like you you want to be different I guess so. It would be better to stay in Slovenia, but I guess they saw it as more job opportunities there.
1: Yeah, I mean Germany has this brand of being the promised land of Europe, uh, <laughs> the, the thriving economy and whatnot. I mean, it's it's a nice country, but still, they have their, their their pluses and minuses. And I think that for for those people who who are looking for opportunities in Germany, they they had a better chance of getting them in Slovenia, but no one no one knew that. I mean, it's it's still for such a small country. We couldn't even take a percent of them. Uh, so so yeah. you
0: were in university yeah. and you studied business. Yeah. is that how you got into the music space? Uh,
1: yeah, after after I finished my master's degree from marketing, I joined um, an event man- management agency here in Slovenia, and one of the partners was UMek who's one of the biggest techno djs uh, in the world and soon after i joined uh we said so look you don't have a professional management Uh, he was just taking um, care of his own business and marketing everything and djs don't really know how to do that um neither they should know because they they should uh, focus on on the creative part of their business and he said why don't you manage me i mean you you have a lot of knowledge about marketing. You guys are doing uh, music events, electronic music events. And We said, okay, sure. How hard can it be? And turn out, it was pretty hard. But we we're fast learners, so uh, we started. Why? A, 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 it's a whole new. It's a whole new culture. It's a. You have to get accepted. Uh, it's it's actually when you start working in the music business, you see that how small the world actually is. So it was kind of. Being late to a party when you don't know anyone so you just step into this room and there's every everybody's talking with each other everybody's having fun everybody knows each other and you're just like some guy who accidentally got in that room so you ha- you have to make a name for yourself you have to travel a lot um, attend different conferences just spread your network um, and yeah we we kind of managed to to, to um, get the knowledge, get the network, and get his career going. So um, he was voted among top 50 DJs in the world a couple of years in a row. Um, we, we managed to get his, the number of his gigs from around 60 a year to over 100 a year, which is huge. Uh, so he was playing at Ultra all over the world uh, almost every year in Miami. Which is their flagship uh, event, uh, EDC Las Vegas, in on the main stage, which is huge because they sell, I think, four hundred thousand tickets for a week in a festival. It's it's huge. It's a whole. It's a really interesting thing to be on the stage when you have like a carpet of hands in front of you, and they're, they're all looking at him, and, and it's it's really interesting. So yeah, um, this is how we got into music, and we're basically a bunch of geeks. So we were, we were measuring how the investments into his career are actually uh, showing on his popularity. So back then, Facebook was probably the, the, it was, it was the go-to media to throw money at. And we invested a lot of, uh, into building his presence. But we couldn't kind of figure out if it really helps his career. So we built a website. Back then it was it was called top DJs. And we, we started measuring just some simple social media metrics for DJs. And we we entered a little over one thousand DJs uh into the service and we opened up the database so anyone can contribute. And in about a year we ended up with thirty thousand DJ profiles, just user generated. Wow. So yeah, we said it's probably business here and we we said okay let's not just make it about DJs, let's make it about the whole music industry. And we raised our seed round, uh, $1 million. And we took down top DJs and we built Vibrate from scratch. And now today we're closing into having half a million of of musician profiles, 130,000 venues. Um, We get data feeds from Ticketmaster, Eventbrite, Skill, all those big ticket providers feed us event data, so we analyze about half a million events at any given moment. We feature around seventy thousand live ticket links, and it's still growing like crazy. So yeah, uh, this is this is how it all started and evolved to where we are today.
0: Well, so tell me about the transition between Top DJ and Vibrate. It was
1: it was uh it was actually quite a big jump, and Top DJs was a hobby project. Um, so we just, we put it together real fast in about three months. It was from the idea to the life service. Uh, but vibrate was really, um, it's a huge project right now. We're employing 110 people, uh, 60 people full-time here in Ljubljana and, and 50 all around the world. And it's, uh, it's like top DJs was like building a bike and vibrate is like building a rocket ship. That's that's the whole that's the that's the difference, uh, because WJS were only measuring some simple metrics like how many followers you're getting uh, on Facebook, Twitter. Back then it was still MySpace, Google Plus, uh, but Vibra is measuring all kinds of other metrics. So we're plugging into APIs of tickets, vendors, streaming sites. We added a couple of more. Um, Social media sites—we're not only measuring how many followers you have, because anyone can buy followers. You can go to any click farm, and you all of a sudden you're going to get one thousand, one hundred thousand followers on Twitter, which is which doesn't mean anything, and, and you're not more popular because you have them. It's just a number. We're it's about people. engagement, exactly. Well, that's we, we have engagement metrics, so we we're looking into how many plays we're getting on YouTube, uh, how how people are mentioning you. Uh, as an artist online. So we're also measuring how artists follow follow each other. So if you're a small rock band uh, from Sarasota and you get followed on Twitter by Metallica, that means that you got noticed by a huge band and your vibrant rank is going to grow. So you're going to go up the uh, up the chart. But that, that's just the part how, how, we're, um, how we're measuring everything.
0: Now, where does blockchain fit into everything here?
1: Uh, well, at first, we we wanted to introduce a marketplace like Airbnb for musicians, where you could go to Vibrate and book your wedding DJ. Uh, but that was on the on the top of the hype, uh, the crypto hype, because uh, everybody said, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I could use cryptocurrencies to get my." I, I would. Uh, the artist said that they would be up for uh, receiving crypto for for their fees but then everything cooled down and as soon as you manage blockchain everybody turned away so we took the year off of our plans um, to implement blockchain and we we wanted to focus on building the community because if you have a strong community then it, you have a better chance of introducing disruptive features and right now just today we had, our, we had a meeting with our development team uh, about introducing the first in the series of blockchain features, which is going to be, uh, as an artist or of any owner, you can go to Vibrate and you can claim your profile. And what we're going to do is we're going to put those profiles on a blockchain. Uh, so you'll be able to claim it, and you're going to have all the information that we collect about you. You're going to have it on your phone. It's not going to be on our server anymore. So, And one of the business models that we have is that we can feed uh, external services with our profiles. So, for example, if you go to, if you want to buy a concert ticket, you go to, let's say, Ticketmaster or any other ticket vendor and you check who's playing. And what usually what you get is like an outdated photo, uh, some bio, and that's it. So, there's no way for you to find out more about the artist who's playing, which is where we come in. So, we feed the our, our profiles that include the hottest video of last week or, or a month, the most engaged content on Instagram. It it's it, it has all kinds of popularity metrics and popular content by the artist that represents the artist. So it, it makes you it makes the UX much better uh, for you as a fan. So you can do a quick due diligence about who's playing and maybe maybe discover some new artists. And this is how this is one of our services, and how we're going to use blockchain is that artists who are going to claim their profiles will be able to share the content with those services, as long as they want to, uh, with the services that they choose to sh- to share, and they're going to be able to choose what kind of content they want to share with them, because this is the hu- this is a huge thing in the music industry because artists are going to get are, are getting new photos maybe every couple of months they say okay i need new photos i i lost some weight or maybe i dyed my hair or it's, it's not me anymore um or, or they they update the, their bios or change their twitter handle or, or they can change whatever they want and what they have to do is they have to inform their booking agents so they say okay i got a new press pack. you have to update this and then the booking agent has to go to all all their partners to the promoters and said, okay, our guy is using different photos. So you have to update that, that on on if you're promoting an event with him, you have to update this. And they're not going to do that because basically you have to trust someone that they're going to log into their computer and upload new photo. And most of the time they're just going to forget that you asked them uh, to do so. But with our service, uh, you as an artist with a claim profile, you're just going to upload your photo and you're going to push it to all their services. So it's going to get updated instantly without them even knowing. So this is, this is the first uh, thing that, that we're going to introduce. And it's, it's really exciting.
0: I'm so honored that Untold Stories is sponsored by eToro. eToro is the smartest crypto trading platform and one of the largest in the world with over a trillion dollars in trading volume per year. What I really love about eToro is that the CEO has been around the Bitcoin space since 2012. So they really, really put their money where their mouths are. US customers, myself included, we can trade the most popular crypto assets. In fact, almost all the ones that you want to trade with low but transparent fees. So you actually know what you're paying for everything. And that's really, really, really important. So if you're not ready to trade yet, you can practice building your portfolio with the eToro $100,000 virtual trading feature. So you can create this whole portfolio without trading with any real money to see how you'll do. And you could learn all the different ins and outs without using any real money yet. And then once you're comfortable, you could enter the market and start buying and selling crypto for real. Best of all, one of my favorite features is that you can connect with 11 million other eToro traders in the world, myself included. And we can talk trading, charts and all things crypto. So listen, head on over to etoro.com, links are in the show notes and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. I'd like to thank my sponsor of Untold Stories, Scott offered. Scott is a Bitcoin mining consultant and provides managed miner hosting services in Texas. If you need to get at least 25 megawatts of miners online in the next 3 months, Scott wants to talk with you right now. Contact him on Telegram or Twitter at O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. He's offering an all-in rate of 6.5 cents per kilowatt an hour. Wow, that's like super cheap. That's like electricity cost in the Arctic where things are automatically cooled because it's so cold. So he's offering 6.5 cents per kilowatt an hour without any CapEx required. Or if you commit to $170,000 per megawatt up front, he can get you a rate of 5 cents per kilowatt. Am I reading that right? 5 cents per kilowatt? That's unbelievable. Scott can get your first 25 megawatt hashing within 16 weeks from the date of signing. All the infrastructure Power lines, substations, water lines, and buildings are fully owned by the hosting company. By the end of March 2020, they will already have 150 megawatts online in Texas. This is such a super cool ad to record because my listeners are learning about mining now. Like this is this is really interesting. I I didn't even know half this half this stuff before I met Scott and he started sponsoring the show. So make sure you check out Scott on Telegram and Twitter at o f f o r d. SCOTT and Scott thank you again for being my first ever Untold Story sponsor. You said you said something interesting though. You said that you can't uh launch disruptive features until you have a community. Yeah. But how do you get a community without having disruptive features it's like a chicken and the egg problem
1: yeah that's 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 the problem with any marketplace the chicken and egg problem is so if, if you if you want to launch a marketplace and if you don't have interesting artists that are going to be willing to book themselves their gigs through their marketplace you're not going to get promoters they're going to book them and if, if you don't have promoters then you're not going to get a better artists. so you have to offer them different uh different features that maybe are not as disruptive as your final vision is but what we did is we offered them profiles that, that feature their uh their content that, that rank them uh in their country or within their genre and basically vibrate profile can act as an artist's own website so and there's a lot of artists that artists that stop thinking about having their own website because they have their vibrant profile and this is the feature that we're offering and we'll let them claim them uh, let them claim the profile um, and and this is how we're telling people about our service and getting people to to register and to start using their profiles and once we kickstart this it's going to be much more much easier to introduce features that they're maybe not uh so mainstream but can be very very disruptive in the in the near future it's it's always hard to build a community on features that are maybe before their time so maybe maybe ahead of time
0: or you just don't want to like waste waste a good feature when you don't have a large
1: community yet yeah exactly and that's that's exactly what we're we're we had a lot of complaints from from VIP holders. So yeah, why didn't you? Uh, why did you? Why did you move the deadline for the marketplace? And we said we explained them exactly what I explained now. So we're, we we want to want to focus on building the community first because it will give us a better chance of introducing uh, a successful service. And a lot oh. of people understood because they thought, yeah, maybe they They saw that a lot of um, music sure. companies raised money through the ico, especially on the um on the recorded music uh, site. Uh, so they wanted to collect royalties uh, through blockchain, which is in theory, it's a wonderful feature to have it It solves so many pains, but it doesn't have the community back in it, and that's 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 where they all failed.
0: so what you're saying is you have all these great ideas how blockchain technology can really. Um, disrupt the music space, mm-hmm. like with royalties, but without mass adoption, without the community backing, without people actually agreeing to this, it's very difficult to 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 make those things work be, beyond conceptual stages.
1: Yeah. So then, what do you do? You have to reach a tipping point. So this is this is why we're growing our database. So we started with thirty thousand artists. Now we have four hundred sixty thousand artists. Uh, Right now, we're talking with a middle-sized global streaming service um, to help us get in front of artists um, so that we could get more artists to claim our profiles. And you just have to get out there, uh, offer great service, hustle to get maybe a couple of claims from from prominent artists to get the word out. And once the ball starts rolling, it's going to go really fast. And what we're going to do... After this, as we're going to offer a hand to other companies that are developing services for music, um, blockchain and and non-blockchain companies, and we're going to offer them a marketplace. We're going to say, okay, so we have this very vibrant community of musicians, and you obviously have a good good technology that could help solve those pains, but you you don't have the market. So why don't you why don't you come on board? And we're going to put you in front of all our uh users and you can you can start selling directly through vibrate uh and hopefully if this happens that we're gonna we're gonna be like i'm i I usually say that vibrate is like imdb for the music industry and this is exactly what's gonna happen when the ball starts rolling and it, it, it has started rolling already because um he got the attention from big artists like Linkin Park who were, was the first superstar act to claim their profile, and later on it was the Chainsmokers and Robbie Williams and all kinds of DJs. Um, Imogen Heap, who is a big blockchain enthusiast, she, she's all she's also on board. She claimed her profile. Uh, we met a couple of times with her. She was she was actually in our offices. Um, so yeah, we're we're slowly getting there, but it's it's. It's not easy. <laughs> Mark Cuban said that he stays away from investing in music business because it's, because it's so hard to 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 really succeed. That's
0: interesting. What Mark Cuban
1: said. So, but
0: that I see that as maybe it's like ripe for disruption. So, but let's talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you have the space, the music space that hasn't really changed. I mean, we saw disruption with like Spotify and Apple Music. How? How you? I think the biggest change that we, we've seen in music, besides for going from like the CD or vinyl to the CD, then CD to, to MP3. Um, but besides for that, one of the biggest changes is the fact that instead of paying per song, you're paying for a subscription to have unlimited music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's in the past like 10, 20 years, that has been one of the, the most important disruptions in in the music space but there there could be more um there could be more but like you said the space is so hard it's so prone to change do you see what 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 type of disruption do you see could really change the way that me who's not in the music space um interact with just music in general using blockchain technology is there anything like off the top of your head that you would love to see changed right now?
1: Well, first of all, we're, we're still sticking to our original idea of, of uh, introducing a marketplace where um, all of a sudden Vibrate would be world's biggest booking agency for unrepresented artists. So we're not aiming to artists that are represented by Paradigm or William Morris because those are superstars that need a lot of um a lot of um support a lot of people working for them but we want to be like airbnb for musicians so if you're a small musician if you're a wedding dj you don't have an agent you you really have to hustle to get a booking and we want to do a marketplace where uh you'll be able to get booked through your profile and vibrate and you could get you could get paid in crypto because it's it's instant it's really practical you don't have to wait for um, for your bank to call you and say yes, so you got uh, you got that wire. Maybe the event is already over once once it hits your account. Uh, plus, we could really use um, blockchain for escrow because also payment discipline is a real big pain for small artists. They usually get screwed over by promoters that are gonna pay. They're not gonna pay them before they show up, and it's it's really easy to do escrow services. So this is something that could be really disruptive uh, in a world of live music. But in a world of recorded music, of course, uh, royalty collection is a, big, uh, is a big pain. It's still really, really low tech. It's, it's handled by a couple of uh, collective societies that usually... What is that? Collective society is a, it's actually a society that collects royalties from public place on behalf of artists. And then they distribute those revenues to artists. But it's it's really technically it's easy to track each and every song that's getting played on the radio. But they, they just don't want to do this for some reason. And the distribution of those revenues is really unfair towards smaller artists. So smaller artists are never going to get paid their share, their fair share. And this is something that a couple of um, companies in the blockchain sphere is working on. Um, and there's also ticketing. A couple of really good uh, ticketing solutions based on a blockchain are out there. Uh, we're just in Miami together with Block Party. They have a, uh, a really good solution and we're probably gonna integrate them sooner or later into Vibrant as well. Um, tickets are, there's a problem with ticket scalping. There's problem with forged tickets. Um, I, I don't. I, I still can't believe that paper tickets are still around in, in this day and age. And this is something that, that could be really easily solved uh, with tickets being tokens on a blockchain. It's really easy to transfer them to your friends if you cannot go uh, to the concert um, or maybe just put them back into the ticket pool uh, for the same price that you purchased them. So that, that disables uh, scalpers, which is a huge problem. Um, there. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of really interesting business models.
0: Do you think that if you disrupt too much especially in the music space where things haven't changed. Do you think if you disrupt too much, it'll turn people away?
1: It's, that's a good question. It's actually, um, that's why we're focusing mostly on the B2B, uh, market with those solutions. Um, because on a B2C market, the, the, the whole market is way too saturated and the big players are not going to let you in their circle. So, uh, Maybe you mentioned Spotify. Spotify collects twenty percent of all of the recorded music revenues in the world. They're so big, so there's almost impossible to compete with them and compete with their business model. It's, if, if you do this as a small startup from Eastern European Union, Eastern Europe, you're not going to make it. I, I can guarantee you that. So maybe this is, that's, that's why the, the music business is so hard, um, to actually, to How did Spotify it. do it? Oh, well, they were, one of the first streaming services, in the world, besides, I, I think, the Apple Music, and Last FM, were maybe, maybe before them, I don't know, but yeah, they're one of the first, uh, streaming services, and they have really good management, and their founder is really, really a smart guy, and, and, he had this really good vision, and he just he managed to raise money and he managed to keep his company ahead of time and ahead of all the competition. But it's 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 interesting that although they're by far the biggest streaming service in the world, they're still not profitable. So they're they're collecting twenty percent of all the, of the recording uh, music revenue, and they're still not making profit. And this is mind boggling. So. It's it's a really nice demonstration about how hard this industry is.
0: Most people don't even know that Uber doesn't make money. Exactly, Uber exactly. has been losing money. Twitter loses money. Yeah. Yet these companies are going public. Yeah. But and- what I want to understand is, Spotify basically changed the way that we listen to music. Yeah. By changing it to, uh, you know, the the freemium model. How did the music industry uh, accept them? How did the music industry feel about it? As you. Being on the inside, were people did people make fun of the concept of Spotify? Did people say it's not going to work? What what were what were you hearing from from being on the inside when Spotify was just launching?
1: Well, a lot of people are angry because they think that they don't earn their angry. Fair share. Yeah, they they think that the, the the authors don't think that they earn their fair share uh, of the cake. So they think that they should get paid more but at the same time i mean spotify has to be as as any other streaming service they have to be competitive and it's a really it's it's a really um boring market so you, you you cannot compete with you can only compete with the number of tracks and the the your pricing model so you don't have a lot of space for being creative in here and if spotify said okay we're gonna pay more money but now subscription for for a paid um Plan is $50 per month. So they immediately, they would probably lose like 50% of subscribers that are going to just simply switch to Apple or, or, or Deezer or any other service. So it's race it's really, to the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't have a good answer how to solve this, but maybe a freemium model isn't the best one. Uh, so hopefully as the time goes by, people are going to start paying for their plan I mean, being in the developed part of the world, paying $10 per month to have access to all, practically all music in the world is not a high price to pay. But people still choose a free plan or, or download tracks illegally. Uh, but it's still, they have a lot of potential. So uh, right now, I think that, uh, I heard of how many subscribers they have. Was it like seven, 700 million? altogether and just a fraction of of that number was actually paying artists, uh, paying subscribers.
0: When Spotify launched they were just free. They didn't even have a business model. They weren't charging. I remember it was just free.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not sustainable. So so artists are not happy with that. And their publishers are not happy at all with that. But, but didn't but... the artists still get paid? Yeah, they get paid, but they, it's it's impossible to make a living just from being a, an artist that is releasing a Spotify or any other service. So you still have to have gigs. Most of the artists right now um, earn the majority of their money from live shows, from fees that they get for for playing live.
0: And that's and that's changed because it used to be that they'd earn most of their money from CDs. And maybe their shows weren't as good. You yeah. know, You go to a concert; it was just a bunch of people on stage. Mm-hmm. And now you go to a concert, and they are like events. They are. You go to a show because of the experience
1: now. Exactly, especially and, in electronic music. It. Yeah, that's that's an adventure. So you, even if you don't like the music, you're still gonna enjoy the show. Uh, and, but I, I mean, for for superstars, it's still like it used to be. So they still make a killing from from getting paid from for their music production. So people are st- still still going to buy their music. Uh, streaming services are going are gonna to pay the biggest portion of revenues to them. Uh, they're going to get a lot of money from collective societies, from Airplay. Uh, so it's, it still hasn't changed. But for long-tail artists, for, for hustlers, for, for local uh, musicians, there's it's impossible to, to get a decent salary just from selling your music. So you have to play live.
0: So my, my friend is on Spotify. He has, he's just a local artist, and he's I think he got like a, hundred thousand downloads to a, a few of his songs. Well, like total. Hmm. Is he making money? Like, does yeah. he get paid
1: for that? Yeah, he's getting paid for that, but uh, it's it's not a lot of money. Um, how much How much do you get it's paid for that? a Fraction of a cent per stream. I, I don't have the exact number, but uh, it it varies. Who defines for me? that rate? Uh, actually, Spotify does and they're gonna pay this money to, uh, to the artist's uh, distributor. There are a, a couple of companies that actually represent artists because Spotify um, is not gonna work directly with each and every artist having a database. That would be impossible. Uh, so most of the streaming services work in a way that you have to have a distributor and they're gonna distribute their catalog of artists to streaming services. And then, of course, after they're getting paid, they're getting their cut. So you're not getting the the, the whole hundred percent of the the money that they're paying. So you have to pay your representatives. And it, at the end of the day, it's it's unless you're really Coldplay or or Rita Ora or any of the superstars over time, you're not gonna get enough money to to make a living.
0: What goal should someone have if they're if they're an aspiring musician and they want to make it a living where they can actually make money is there value in just building a community and eventually being able to be de- I mean is the goal to still be signed by some agent and then do concerts like how do you make it in the music space today
1: uh, luck is a really crucial ingredient here so you have you have to be lucky it's it's so much harder than back in the days and Umek is is actually a really good um, example because being a su- becoming a superstar DJ today, it's so much harder than back in the days. Although it's much music is much more accessible than it used to be, and maybe this is the reason because today, for being a DJ, you only need a laptop and maybe a couple of YouTube tutorials, and you know the basics. You're not going to be a really good one, but you know the basics. You can you can maybe go play at a wedding, but back when he was starting, we were, which was around. 25 years ago uh, still back in, in Yugoslavia actually he uh, had to go take a bus, go to Austria and go buy vinyls uh, because back then DJs were playing on vinyls. And if you didn't do this, you can be a DJ. So he didn't have a lot of competition and he, he had to learn the harsh technique. So uh, he was famous for syncing uh, for, for, vinyls at the same time, which is insanely hard. So you have to monitor, you have to listen to four channels playing simultaneously and sing them into one, uh, uh one track, it, one set that, um, that makes sense. Uh, so it was, it was much easier then because you had much less competition. Uh, but today, I mean, you have to hustle in your local community first. And I hope that you're going to get noticed by bigger artists that are going to take you as mentors. They're going to sign you to their label, maybe sign you, maybe add their agent to represent you as well. And this is how you how build a career. And this is also how we envision Vibrate to help artists. Uh, because I mentioned that we're measuring, we're looking into who's following who. And this is exactly what I was talking about. So if you, if you get followed by big artists, it's, it's pretty much the same. If that, if you That's get a, a big metric for you. Us. Yeah, it's a huge metric for us. Uh, features. What work are like some that, crazy?
0: Yeah. Who are some crazy artists that have just been followed by some other? Cra- like, tell me a crazy story of, well, of actually, something that you didn't expect. Yeah, where we
1: you get the? Where you got the idea? You you probably remember uh, the track "Stand" by Eminem and Dido, right? Sure. And did you hear about Dido before the track? No one knew about her, so she was no she, idea. She was like some British artists I don't, I don't even know how I Eminem mean, got to her <laughs> to be honest but once they had the, that featured track her her career skyrocketed and this is this is exactly what we're doing here uh, on vibrate and uh, maybe one of the examples is that Carl Cox uh, probably the most legendary techno DJ uh, he started follow, he started following Umek. and he only followed maybe 10 artists on Twitter and one of them was Umick and which it was huge recognition. And it, it, it of course we told everybody about it. And it was it was something to to brag about. Um so yeah, that's 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 it really helps.
0: It's interesting that you say that. So um I'm good friends with um, the lead singer of the band Revolution, Eric Rahmani. Um mm-hmm. Revolution you probably know that one of the largest reggae bands in the world. Um huge huge band and um i was at one of their shows a few a few months ago hanging out hanging out backstage with them and i was talking to just i was just having a beer with with um their second guitarist um who's fairly new to the band and we're just he's a young guy he's like my age he's in his 20s and i asked him we were just chatting and i was like by the way how did you how did you find out like how did you get here um you know like because the band eric Um, and the other two, the other two band members are, um, the other three band members are college roommates in, um, Santa Barbara Mm -hmm. in California. So, so, so him, I was like, how did you, um, Kyle, I was like, Kyle, how did you, um, find out about this band? Like, how did you, everyone knows the band, but how did you get in? Um, how are you in the band basically? And he said, it's an interesting story. Basically the band had a, the band did, um, a contest where you win like free tickets and then you get to go backstage to one of their shows. If you, um, whoever covers one of their songs, the best on YouTube. So record yourself covering one of their songs and then send it up to YouTube. And so he won that concert. He covered a song really well and he won the concert. He won the, um, the thing and he went backstage and he's literally backstage with Eric and Eric's like, Hey, like how many of our songs do you actually know how to play? And he's like, well, probably all of them. And and Eric's like, do you want to just get on stage with us right now and and start and start playing? And he's like, yeah. And it's like everyone's dream. And next <laughs> thing you know, he's in the band.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's actually uh, it's, it's a pretty sim- similar story to Metallica's ex uh, bass player Jason Newsted. He was also a diehard fan of, of Metallica. He visited every concert of them. And when they they had a tragic accident uh, where. They tour bus flipped over and and it killed their bass player they actually did did the audition so all kind of fans were were applying to audition and playing their their songs and this is how they chose him uh and it's i cannot even imagine how it is for a diehard fan just being in the first row at every concert, and all of a sudden, you're on stage with your idols. It's just crazy.
0: I can imagine that. Yeah. So do you think you'll stay in Slovenia forever? I mean, you, you work, you travel so much. Um, you're recently married, and you have child, You have a child now. Yeah. Um, two children, right? Or Man, one? one.
1: Just one daughter. One. one For now. Old. Yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> <She's laughs> you think you'll stay in Slovenia? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going <laughs> to stay here. Uh, I mean, it's it's easy to travel all all over Europe from here. So it doesn't... Um, I don't have any any plans of moving stay sites, or it's just I like it here. I mean, the weather could be nicer. We just had five days of rain in a row. So I, I always like to visit Miami and and uh, in winter to get some sun. Uh, but I think we're gonna we're gonna stay here. It's, we have a. House. When does your summer
0: season start?
1: Um, it should have started now. but unfortunately it's like February here. It's really awful and gray. And, but usually the summer season starts around May. Uh, this year is probably going to start hopefully next, next week.
0: I know I've said this before, but I can't wait to come visit. Um, I feel like I know the whole country at this point.
1: Yeah. You're in Croatia, right? It's it's similar. (laughs) It's less, much less sea. Uh, but it's, it's pretty similar. Uh, thank yeah. you
0: so much for um for coming on the show today i really appreciate it
1: yeah most, and, most, um, pleasure.
0: yeah thanks thanks for also inviting us to come out there and and we can't wait to see you to see you guys again soon
1: yeah yeah likewise
0: hey everyone thanks for listening new episodes of untold stories are released every tuesday and thursday at 7 a.m est on untoldstories.com apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reid Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of BlockWorks Group. Our account executives are Gina Felice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offer. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions, and of course, I'm your host, Charlie Shrimp. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie to continue the conversation Send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember, please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers, and information is power.